Spotlight's Visual Hall VRP is a portable vision testing platform that includes visual fields, acuity, color vision testing, pupillometry, and extraocular motility. The visual leverages virtual reality, artificial intelligence, and augmented technologies to enable eye care providers to test for and monitor common eye diseases. Visit alleyes.com for more information. Your eyes and your vision are under attack, damaging blue light from the sun. Your phone, your computer, your tablet, even light bulbs and car headlights is constantly bombarding you. The good news is our eyes actually already have a line of defense to counter the effects of blue light. This defense is made up of three pigments called carotenoids. MacuHealth with Micromycel, the only supplement with the exclusive patent on all three macular carotenoids and Micromycel technology. With more screen usage and indoor time, myopia, also known as nearsightedness, is increasing and getting worse in children. Now, certified eye doctors can prescribe MySight one day, the first and only FDA-approved soft contact lens to slow myopia progression in age-appropriate children. Visit coopervision.com to find a Brilliant Futures certified eye doctor near you. Do your patients know what presbyopia is? There are people who are afraid of the press. Have you talked to your patients about multifocal contact lenses? I've heard the bifocal, but not right, multifocal. Not multifocal. Do you need help with your multifocal strategy? Learn more at the conclusion of this episode. Welcome back to part three of my interview with Dr. Joseph Allen. In this episode, Dr. Allen discusses the effects of blue light and what to do about eye floaters. If you're new here and you like our interviews, press like, subscribe, share, and hit the bell. Also, please leave comments. Be sure to watch our full-length documentary, Open Your Eyes, on Amazon Prime, Apple TV, iTunes, Google Play, and YouTube movies and shows. I was in a lecture once and two optometrists almost got into a fistfight over whether or not blue light uh, glasses are good or bad, fact or fiction. And you had a lot of views with that one. If you could talk a little bit, but these two guys almost started fighting over whether or not blue light glasses were good or bad. Right. Well, there's a lot, there's a lot in this discussion. I know in your movie, you guys mentioned it a little bit. Uh, you know, there's unfortunately, I think the media and marketing companies, especially companies that just found a way, hey, we can buy blue light glasses made in China on like Alibaba.com. We can put a brand on it. We can sell it. You know, the marketing of it really got haywire, especially during COVID because uh, everyone is staring at the computers all day. Uh, so I think that's done some injustice to it. The, the movies or <laughs> movies, uh, the uh, videos that I've done on YouTube about it, I, I'll be honest, I try to stay a little bit in the middle ground. I try to be very cautious about that the words I use saying that things may or things suggest um, uh, and try not to make a definitive uh, claim about it because there's always new research. And some of the research that we currently have doesn't necess isn't necessarily the best research. So the, the, the videos, the specific one that you're kind of mentioning, I kind of just break down the three arguments behind blue light that, hey, does it affect your sleep cycle? Does it help with eye strain? And then does blue light affect the health of the retina? And uh, at least right now, and I, I try to stay on top of new research, it's still largely kind of the same claim. Yes, blue light can affect your sleep cycle. 
the exact um, best kind of recommended way to consider blue light protection. There isn't really a standard that's out right now or widely accepted guideline. I know there's several that other professionals have recommended, which I, I largely agree with. Like uh, blue light has some health benefits, especially in the early morning to experience blue light because it'll it'll basically dampen down the melatonin effect that's going on actively in your brain to make you sleepy. It'll make you more awake, more alert. It helps your mood as well. That that thing that's another part of the whole narrative. I think people have has largely been ignored. It's like yes, it affects your sleep, but it also affects your mood. Uh, your um, intrinsically photosensitive retinal ganglion cells in your retina do also communicate parts of your brain that affect your mood. So uh, I think that's something that needs to be spoken about more. But I don't know all the research on that one either, to be honest. The uh, the next uh, the the other big thing just about blue light and sleep cycles. It's so tough at night. Yeah, you, when the sun goes down, I don't want to be staring at a computer screen or bright artificial lights all night because it, it definitely, I can feel the effects personally. I don't know if you, can you, have you ever felt that? Oh, absolutely. You know, because when you're looking at a screen, it's like 12 noon. That's when you're getting the blue light that's at 12 noon and you don't get the UV and you don't get the infrared and the whole spectrum. You go outside in the morning and you're exposed to the light, you're getting all the beneficial rays. 42% was your infrared and those are very, that's very healing. And the blue light is very helpful in the morning. Then eventually the UV comes up. So there's a sun there for a reason. And, you know, if you go and you have a tree outside and you put a tarp over it, that tree's going to die. So people need to get sun. You know, of course, they need to get safe sun and they need to get all the, you know, to get to all the rays. And, you know, we have that, as you talked about, we have that different pathway through the retina, the SCN, the suprachiasmic nuclei, which has to deal with, which, which deals with uh, uh, circadian rhythm. And so that's why we need to produce, to get out in the morning, produce the melatonin in the morning so it could be released later on before we go to bed. But if we're staring at a screen all day, we're, we're preventing that melatonin from being made. And I, I was reading the comments about the blue light and you, one of the things you said in the video, one of the, is that, you know, very good advice, stop looking at a digital device two hours before bed. And somebody wrote, I love it, goes, what am I supposed to do for those two hours? Yeah, right. <laughs> well, what did you do before the computers yeah. and internet and all that? Read a book, talk yeah. with a friend. Uh, you know, I don't know if he, was kidding. I mean, he was kidding or not, but I, I just thought that was, that was, that was, that was, that was classic. That yeah, was yeah. classic. So talk about some of the blue light filtering lenses you know yeah. they're all over the place everybody's trying to make a buck on these lenses amazon i saw you know you evaluated some of these you reviewed them amazon there's a cheap version there's a middle version there's more expensive versions you yeah can talk about some of that again there it's all over the place and i did one review of it a long time ago and this was before uh, before covid before this blue light blew up really big i think um the uh the a lot of the stuff on Amazon, even that video, which I think is funny, because if you watch it, every single one that I reviewed is basically horrible. It's basically mm -hmm. just a, a bad thing. I, did, I gave each one a basically a bad review, but I I, I mentioned one of them was better than the others. Uh, and even that company reached out to me because they wanted to like sponsor me. I'm like, what? I'm not gonna do a sponsorship with you. I talked about how bad your product was. <laughs> like, how does that work? Any publicity um, is good publicity. 
Yeah. Uh, but uh, there, there are lenses in the, in the eye care world. Uh, you know, we've been attuned to this for some time. Uh, the biggest thing is uh, there are some lenses, some companies who do have uh, their, their, their patents, their own proprietary uh, designs of blocking out blue light. Now, there's ones that were made a lot long ago, a little bit longer ago, when where our concern was more about retinal health and the high energy of blue light maybe causing more oxidative stress. And they weren't so much focused on designing lenses that affect your sleep cycle. It wasn't until later did they find that, hey, the, the sensitivity for the retinal cells that communicate to the superior colliculus, uh, that this was all uh, a little bit different, higher wavelength. And so now uh, some of the better lenses that are designed, they have found a way to block higher or, or a little bit longer. It's kind of around, depending on the research. And I've read research claim from 440 to like 480 nanometers of light, but somewhere in that zone is the more sensitive spot for blue light. So in the world of blue light glasses, the, I still say the best option is not to be staring at uh, at a computer screen or, or or have you know really bright white indoor lighting in the evenings, but um, some of the best blue light glasses they they block more in that larger zone. The tough thing is that the more longer wavelength zones you get, the more kind of orange or red the lenses become. So thankfully, a lot of these companies uh, they they in fact designed. Uh, not just ways to filter the higher wavelength, but also to make it so the lenses aren't like bright yellow. So there are better products out there than the ones you'll just buy for $20 on Amazon. Uh, and usually those are gonna be bought through your eye care professional and expect that they're gonna cost a little bit more. They're probably gonna cost closer to $100 at the very least. And you wanna make sure what range are they filtering in? Because right. if they don't even give you that filtering range, then you, then you, you, know, you, you really don't know if they're actually doing anything at all. But yeah, and uh, there, there is definitely the concern of the placebo effect. I think a lot of people get into them, but not because of the sleep cycle, but because they're worried about eye strain. Uh, and that's very much still up in the air in the research, at least based on what I've read. Um, so it's placebo effect or not for eye strain. Um, I know for myself, I'm very light sensitive. So I find some benefit just because the little bit of a yellow shading of the lenses, at least is kind of like wearing an indoor it's like wearing sunglasses indoors for me. It just tones things down just a little bit to make it more comfortable. And what I thought was interesting is gamer lenses now, gamer glasses. Okay. Uh, at your age, are you a gamer? I do. I love video games. That's <laughs> kind of a, a pastime of mine. I wish I had more time to play, but uh, uh, there's just it's 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 tough when you're so focused on work and doing other things and staying active in life. So. So let's go to iFloaters, 1.9 million views on iFloaters. And that's what, that you had some really interesting information on stop on helping people that have iFloaters and that I had no idea about. And uh, I thought it was terrific, you know, with, with well, we'll let you talk about it. And first of all, tell us about iFloaters. And if you all of a sudden get iFloaters, tell us the, the, at when they could be dangerous and, and, you know, and what you need to do if all of a sudden you're seeing these big floaters in your eye. Right. Well, thank you for, for bringing this up. Uh, this was actually the topic that my, my channel first got a lot of, uh, a lot of views off of. Uh, I was at clinic one day and it was a Saturday. So I only worked till noon. And in that four hour time stretch, I had like five people come in for sudden floaters. So I was like, okay, if I'm going to make a video, 
talking about floaters that I could share with my patients, just five minutes to talk about floaters, what would I mention? The first thing is what are floaters? Floaters are as a gel. There's a gel inside the eye called the vitreous humor. And it's mostly water, but a little bit of it's made of collagen. And as we age, this gel starts to degenerate a little bit and it starts to clump in a way. Uh, the, the gel actually starts to peel away from the retina in the back of the eye, which it's attached to. And this normally happens without really any consequence. Uh, but people often visually experience these clumps of gel in their vision because they look from left, they look to right, and they see these little hair-like dot structures, kind of like little bugs drifting back and forth. And it can be annoying. Uh, you can see them. I can see them right now if I, if I really look around. Uh, but they're largely, largely insignificant to the health of your eye, unless, unless you have a sudden amount of floaters. Like you go from, uh, I don't see any of them, to suddenly you see a hundred of them in just a matter of a few minutes to a few, a few seconds to a few minutes, along with any sort of associated flashes of light. And the flashes of light come from as this gel peels away from the back of the eye, it's kind of like, I like to describe it like Velcro. It's like peeling Velcro from, from, uh, from itself. Uh, but flashes of light indicate that the gel is peeling off the retina and your retina doesn't know what to make sense of that. It's used to picking up light, but now it's getting mechanical stimulation. And so your brain just sees that as a flash of light. It doesn't know what to make sense of it. So that's how you see it. Uh, so if somebody has that or any sudden loss of vision, like they see a dark spot in their vision, it looks like a curtain coming down from the ceiling or from the side or rising up from the floor. Those are immediate telltale signs. Hey, something has changed. Do not wait. Do not say, oh, I'm going to let, give it a week to let it get better. You need to contact an eye care provider right away uh, and have them check, out, check it out. Just, just if you, even on the off chance, just to make sure that everything is all right. Because, uh, I, you know, so many eye care providers, it's always Friday afternoon at 4 p.m. Uh, oh, I've been putting this off for two, three weeks. Uh, I thought it would get better on its own. And then we look inside. It's like, no, you have uh, the gel inside the eye has pulled on the retina and caused a hole, a tear, or a detachment of the retina. And those can all be uh, emergencies for the eye that need to be treated uh, oftentimes with surgery, whether it be done with laser or having to go into the operating room to have a scleral buckle put in, which is like having a rubber band put on the eye uh, to prevent the, eye, the, the retina from detaching from the back. And uh, unfortunately for people who have that, uh, they can have significant uh, visual changes and even vision loss from having that. So, so now the, the patient goes to the eye doctor and they just have normal floaters mm -hmm. and they don't have, God forbid, a retinal detachment, a retinal tail, a retinal hole that needs surgical treatment. And now they want to get rid of these floaters. They're really driving them crazy. And you came up with some, you found some interesting uh, treatments for it. Other than, you know, we could get to the surgical treatments after, sure. but some interesting treatments that have seemed to work. If you could talk about that. Um, well, one specifically that people always ask about, uh, and it was actually suggested to me because uh, I, I belong to a couple of different uh, like groups online of like either uh, that 
a big group of people who suffer from eye floaters and really struggle with them. I'm part of that group. I'm also part of a group about keratoconus and dry eye. Uh, so I try to stay active in those groups online. And somebody had suggested, hey, there's this research study on eye floaters, specifically on pineapple. Uh, and so I found the research study. I read it. And, and you know, it's a pilot study. It, it wasn't the best. It's, uh, there's definitely a lot of issues with it. Uh, but I liked at least the fact that they suggested something different, something new that wasn't discussed about before. Uh, and so I did a video just highlighting what that research study said. Uh, again, it was a pilot study, so there wasn't like good controls or anything. Uh, and, uh, and so I just did a video about it, but people, people really loved it. It was received very well. Um, the biggest concern that I've always had in, with this research, uh, and that it may not be uh, that real true answer for getting rid of floaters, especially naturally. But uh, I, I at least think that it, I think from a, from an outside kind of top down view, at least people are, there's research out there that's looking for an answer for floaters because in the eye care world, we largely say, Hey, yeah, you've got floaters. Sorry. Good luck. You're going to have to deal with them. So uh, at least there's, there's some look into it. But I thought it was uh, I thought it was interesting because you know they went into different slices of pineapple, and it was dose dependent. The more slices of pineapple you took, up to three slices, the less the better the floaters resolved. And I thought you know that was that was pretty interesting because it was dose dependent. And they made a big point that you can't be using canned pineapple or you can't be using pineapple juice because in the process you get rid of the bromelain. And that's, right. that's what is the, the, seems to be the active ingredient is the bromelain. That was the, their, their hypothesis and kind of the theory behind that. I, um, again, I think uh, that study and future research would need to kind of go much deeper into it. So I, I traditionally don't recommend my patients to start eating pineapple, <laughs> uh, but uh, I think it was at least again, a good concept to start as a pilot study. Like, hey, is this something we should look into? Um, and I know a lot of the comments, people are always asking, can I just take uh, bromelain as, a, as like a supplement? And I try to avoid really making comments on that because I just don't feel like there's enough research into it to really have a good solid science backing. Because people often make that huge jump, right? They're not being, they're like, oh, it's it, bromelain is what cures this. It's like, uh, there's a lot more stuff going on. We need to look at this. So um, I think it's an early start. And the video, again, was received really well, at least for highlighting research into it. Um, and some people claim that, yes, their floaters improved, but you have to kind of wonder if that's just time. You know, is that, did it really work? Was it just placebo? Because, we have to, yeah, because it's a thought. Go away <laughs> typically, anyway, and it might not be the bromelain, it could be something else. Yeah. But you did talk about low dose atropine, 0 0.01 yeah. atropine as a, as a uh, treatment for uh, floaters. And that showed some promise as well. Yeah. So that, that was, um, that's been out for some time. It was originally sort of suggested, uh, it's not like a treatment to get rid of the floaters, but to help with the symptoms of floaters. It's kind of like the opposite of the pilocarpine, um, where at least with pilocarpine, it was studied and approved for the treatment of presbyopia by the FDA. For atropine, we often use it off-label for several things, uh, but there were some uh, small studies or publications uh, of ophthalmologists using very low dose atropine to dilate the pupil just a little bit 
just a small amount, like one millimeter, just to uh, help reduce the amount of shadows of the floaters being cast on the retina so that people weren't as symptomatic. And uh, this is, so this is an option that I think a lot of eye care providers can get for their patients. It's often something that needs to be compounded. So you have to be working with a compounding pharmacy for to even have your patients try it. And I've prescribed it for a few patients and uh, some patients haven't had success with it while some have. So it, it may not be the ultimate fix, but it's at least an option to try if, uh, if an eye care provider feels comfortable with it. Right, you don't want to use pilocarpine by accident because you don't want to increase the risk of uh, retinal right. It's funny because that, that wasn't a, a reported uh, uh, side effect that I've, I've, I've heard about, um, at least not many studies on, on pilocarpine or VUD at this point. One thing about the pineapple, I do want to say if you are going to try it, you know, if you're taking uh, anticoagulants or antibiotics, it could have interfere with those medications. Yeah. And, and of course, just the sugar content, I mentioned that in the video, and that was mentioned in the study too. If you're diabetics, you have to be a little more cautious of, you know, the sugar content of eating more fruit, uh, the acid levels of pilocar uh, pilocarpine, now I'm mixing everything. Uh, uh, acid levels of pineapple can affect the teeth. Uh, it can change your taste buds in a way. Uh, so there's other things to consider. MacuHealth. Your science born and tested solutions for visual performance, macular degeneration, and dry eye syndrome. New products coming soon. Embrace the science. The All Eyes Visual Hall VRP is a portable vision testing platform that includes visual fields, acuity, color vision testing, pupillometry, and extraocular motility. The visual leverages virtual reality, artificial intelligence, and augmented technologies to enable eye care providers to test for and monitor common eye diseases. Visit alleyes.com for more information. So the next one that you got a tremendous amount of views on, how to choose glasses. So how do we choose glasses if you have a round face? What kind of frame <laughs> do you look at? If you have a long face, kind of like me, what kind of frame do you use? And I thought that was a really interesting uh, video. And uh, so tell us a little bit about choosing the right frame. Thank you. Uh, so that that video specifically, I mean, there's there's a lot of popular videos out on on YouTube that have been done twelve dozen times by different different creators, uh, and none of them that I'd seen on there before mine was actually done by somebody in the the world of eye care. So you know, it's always just some some I don't know male model or, or on GQ talking about finding glasses for your face shape, and I was always like. I mean, it, face shape plays a small role in it. It can have an effect, but it's not like the major deciding factor in what glasses are going to work for you. Um, so, uh, so part of that video certainly mentions that, just understanding, hey, uh, you know, maybe round frames aren't going to work best for every face shape. Maybe boxed frames aren't going to work best. Uh, but then just going into more of like understanding fit, comfort, how how things have to rest on your nose and your ears. Uh, and, and that's going to play a, a much bigger role in, in finding glasses that are going to fit well for you. And, you know, when I made that video, you have to go from the mindset of who's watching this, you know, like who's, who's looking up how to find glasses for their face shape. Who's looking at this. It's mostly people who are looking to buy glasses online. Uh, that's a huge uh, part of our industry right now is, is there's a lot of people who are choosing to purchase, not just get their eye exam online, but they want to purchase their eyewear 
through an online source. So a big part of that is the truth is that a lot of the people who buy their glasses online don't get glasses that fit them well. They don't sit on their face well. They're often often not looking through the right prescription anymore because the optical center and just the fit of the lenses doesn't fit in those frames and it's not fitting on their face in the right way. So it's the kind of highlight and give a little bit of a tip of like, hey, if you're going to do this, this is going to help you out a little bit. Uh, Also to kind of highlight the importance and the value of seeing somebody locally to get things fit because it is a lot more complicated than what people, people initially think it is. I mean, our colleagues, opticians, they go to school for years, a couple of years, and to be trained to fit you with the proper glasses and the proper frame. And, you know, you're probably not going to pay that much more to go into an eye doctor's office where there's an optician or an optical store where there's an optician. And that's what they're there for. Right. Uh, And I know um, I love uh, the, some of the opticians I've worked with in my my short career uh, is, is I've just always been amazed by their knowledge and also just their sincerity. Uh, Because if you put on a frame that doesn't look good for you, or it's not going to fit good for you, they're just like, no, sorry, honey, that's not, that's not going to be the right choice. You know, and uh, they're not trying to upsell you something. They're trying to like, honestly get you something that you're going to like, because if you like it, if you trust them, you're more likely to keep coming back to them. Uh, And so that's, that's, that's just a big thing. They, they really do know and fitting, fitting that right rather than just, oh yeah, look at this giant frame. I think I saw a girl on Instagram with glasses like these. It's like, no, it's, it doesn't work that way. I often think of the optician almost like the pharmacist of the eye care world. And, you know, I rely on my optician a lot. You know, the, we have a number of opticians and we, I rely on them. You know, patients ask me certain questions about their eyeglasses or whatever. And I said, well, I'm going to take you to the optician. They're going to make sure they fit comfortable, that, that, that you got the right measurement, that you're going to look through the right part of the lens, that you're not looking through a side of the lens where you're going to induce something called prism and maybe get headaches. And the, the, uh, the uh, progressive, you would need progressive is going to be measured properly because you know, a millimeter off, depending on the prescription, could mean, could mean a lot of headaches. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and there's you know, the, the, there's a lot of different aspects to glasses and frames. And I think just the, the normal layperson doesn't understand. It's just a lot of math. It's what it is. <laughs> you know, how many, how many years and classes of optics do we take in eye care, uh, to, you know, to get your degree? And uh, it's, you know, a lot of people don't want to think about that. But just one more thing on this. Uh, is the numbers on the side of the temple. If you could explain what those numbers mean, the 56, the 17, the 145. Yeah, so uh, those numbers on there, I've had people ask if that's their glasses prescription. And no, that's, that's, it's in fact just the measurements on the frame itself. So the first number, uh, which really designates the, the size of the lens, more kind of from a kind of a horizontal or diagonal uh, length of the lens itself. So covering one eye. So we often have to double that because that's two eyes. Uh, the middle number is the bridge or the size of the bridge between those two lenses over your nose. And then the final number, which is the largest is the length of the temple. So the length from the, where the frame sits to around the back of your ear. 
And so um, that that's kind of a rough guideline I think people can use if they have a frame that they, let's say they go to an optical store and they don't, maybe there's no optician to help them, or maybe they don't want help from an optician, but they're just trying to find something that fits well. They can always look at those numbers. If you have an existing frame that fits and is comfortable, you can try to find something that's close to it. It's not exact, but it may be a helpful hint just to kind of find something in the ballpark. The next one, one of my favorites, and I think it's my last one. I want to ask you about the one that you wrote, that you, you the video you made on how to buy sunglasses, because everybody loves sunglasses. And you said, like you said, you have many, many sunglasses and that you love sunglasses. And how do people buy sunglasses? And, you know, there's the sunglasses at the gas station for like $5 or, well, maybe now $10. And then there's, you could buy sunglasses probably for a thousand dollars. So what's the difference? What makes sunglasses comfortable and, and makes people feel good about themselves when they're wearing their sunglasses? Yeah. The, uh, so thankfully with the world of sunglasses, there's a lot of different options. Of course, there's different frame designs, uh, whether you want a classic aviator frame, you know, it has a little bit more attitude feel to it. Uh, maybe you want something more sporty. That's something specific for like a sport or activity you do. Uh, maybe you're a fisherman. You like to be on the water. Maybe you're going downhill slope skiing or something. Uh, the, the, the big deal for me, the thing that really separates it is that some brands are dedicated to making frames. There's the frame and then there's the lenses. So the frame, uh, they're dedicated to making frames that, hey, they're comfortable, that they don't slip off your face. So if you're out fishing, you maybe want something that has more of like rubber tips that are back behind your ear so that they don't just slide off your face and fall in the water. That's an example. Uh, or perhaps you want a lens, glasses, lenses. And this is a big difference where like the $10, you know, gas station sunglasses versus the uh, higher end sunglasses that you'll find is often has to do with the lens material and the optics through those lenses. Most of the ones that you buy that are just over the counter at some um, gas station are usually made of a cheaper polycarbonate material, which it, we use for glasses and safety lenses all the time. Uh, optically, it's not the best view through a lens. Uh, they have some benefits of, you know, maybe being a little bit more impact resistant, but they scratch easily. And uh, they, they just, again, they, they aren't as kind of a superior product. Uh, I have some glass lenses in sunglasses. They are heavy, so they have some downsides, but uh, the optical quality through them is fantastic and they don't scratch as easily. Uh, the other thing is anti-reflective. For sunglasses, you want anti-reflective on the back surface of the lens. Uh, with a lot of uh, cheaper quality sunglasses frames, they don't have an anti-reflective on the back surface. That means that the light is going to bounce off your cheek. If it's coming from the side, it's going to bounce hit the back surface of the lens and likely bounce back into your eye. And that includes any sort of UV light as well, where if the anti-reflective, it's actually going to prevent some of that reflection from going back in your eye. It's actually going to let that light pass back through the lens out away from your face. How so can there's you tell some... if it has the anti-reflection on the back surface? Yeah. So, uh, you know, if you've, I actually recently just posted a video going over anti-reflectives a little bit, uh, but in traditional optical glasses, we see the anti-reflective on the surface is almost like this green. It can be kind of a rainbow or blue kind of reflecting. Um, you see, it almost looks like this little rainbow reflection off the front surface. With sunglasses, you can do the same thing by looking at the back uh, and having just light shine on it. And you can usually see this 
kind of multicolor shimmer off the back. Uh, of course, if you're not certain, uh, if you're listening to this, you can always take it to your, uh, a local eye clinic, and I'm sure they'll be able to tell you if it has it or not. Uh, then there's the, the concept of polarized lenses, and people often ask that. They're like, what does this polarized mean? Do I need this in sunglasses? Is it going to help me? I think for most people, polarization is fantastic. It largely just helps cut down glare, especially glare off of flat horizontal surfaces, roads, uh, water specifically. Um, so if you're sensitive to glare, it's a great helpful, helpful tool, but there's a few people who don't want polarized lenses and that's namely, uh, airline pilots or anybody who's flying an airplane, uh, or maybe a big ship captain. If you, if you have to look at big, important dials all the time, uh, and that's because, um, most of those instruments that they have, like in the cockpit of a plane, they have polarized filters on them already. And so if you have a polarized filter in your sunglasses, and a polarized filter on that device, they're gonna cancel each other out and you won't see anything. It'll just show up as a black screen. And so you can do that with your computer screen too. Um, if you have a pair of sunglasses, you don't know if they're polarized or not. You can hold up your sunglasses and look at your computer screen and rotate the sunglasses. And if it ever goes like completely black, uh, the screen looks like it goes black, then, then it's polarized. If you're looking at somebody and at their, at their glasses and you see this blue hue coming off the glasses, what is that? Um, say that one more time. So sometimes you look at people, you know, I'll do, a, uh, I'll do an interview and they're wearing their glasses and I'll see like a blue reflection coming off their glasses. Um, yeah, so that, that blue hue is usually the anti-reflective. Um, if they didn't have that, you would see just a reflection of white light of whatever is bouncing off of them. You'd probably not even be able to see their eyes, uh, make good eye communication with them. Uh, but thankfully, anti-reflectives on the surface, they do uh, cut down that harsh glare. And so uh, that, that helps better light transmit through there and you can see their eyes. Uh, different anti-reflectives have different colors bouncing off. They could be a little bit bluer, especially if they do have some sort of blue light protectant aspect to it. Um, uh, or usually they're high. Some of the higher end anti-reflectives I've noticed uh, have a little bit more of a blue shimmer on the front where, um, but some anti-reflectives, even good ones have kind of a green shimmer. So it may depend on the, the exact formula and what lens they have. Now you mentioned in uh, the sunglass video about a, a lens called a nylon nylon type. Oh, of. yeah. If you could explain that. I never heard of that before. So, yeah, there's different lens materials. Polycarbonate's been around for a long time. Uh, before that, uh, we have CR39, a uh, different type of plastic, glass. Uh, those are traditionally been around for some time. And they all have different properties, uh, whether it be scotch resistance, uh, UV light protection, impact resistance, uh, optical clarity, chromatic aberration is an effect on that. Nylon is uh, a newer is a, is a newer lens material. Uh, I've never seen it for like prescription glasses per se, but I've seen it for sunglasses. And they have the benefit of having uh, less chromatic aberration problems as polycarbonate. They're very lightweight. They have great for scratch resistance and impact resistance, um, but... Uh, uh, and so you, you'll see a lot more sunglasses now being made of that as well. So are there many different brands that make it out of nylon? Uh, I know of at least uh, two or three different brands that, that are making it right now. Um, you know, not, not, not necessarily all of them. 
I don't know what the cost is for these companies for it, but uh, I noticed at least one of them that makes them out of nylon. They don't have a backside anti-reflective, which I gave them that in a criticism of a review I did. <laughs> is that it's like, hey, it's just a good lens. I like it. They're lightweight. But why don't you have an anti-reflective on the back of this? You're supposed to be like this world-class brand. Like you're missing this fundamental thing uh, on good sunglasses. So it's it's just something to kind of shop around for. How about the tints, the different color tints? How do different color tints help for maybe different sports or different activities? So yeah, different colored tints. Uh, there's been more, I think, research into this, uh, especially with sports vision. But uh, the different tints can have the ability to like enhance contrast in different ways for different sports. Even Nike at one point, uh, I think had a contact lens for like golfing. So it'd be like a blue contact lens that you would wear that make everything a subtle kind of a blue color to help you be able to read the green uh, of <laughs> when you're putting just a little bit easier. Uh, if, you can find your ball, if you can find your ball after you hit it into the woods. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> different things like that. So there are some different colored tints that are beneficial. The most classic ones you're going to see are the standard gray. It's like a neutral density filter. It's just a standard gray. And that works for most people. Uh, amber or something that's slightly more yellow or brown color, I personally find very soothing. Uh, it has at least the reported benefit of having a little bit enhanced contrast uh, with, with eyesight. And so I've, I've heard anecdotally people tell me that they feel like they can see sharper when they're wearing those lenses. Uh, uh, I used to really love and prefer those type of lenses. Um, but now I actually go the other way. I like green lenses a little bit better. Um, tough for me to say why I like the green ones. I just find them very soothing. They help. I feel like maybe here in Minnesota, when it is summertime, there's a lot of green out there and it maybe enhances the green, uh, a little bit more rather than the, uh, cold, dead, you know, snowy winters. But, uh, uh, there, there's, those are typically the, probably the three most common colors you'll see are, are maybe like a green color an amber and a gray, but, uh, they, they do make pink lenses. Uh, and a couple other subtle colors that can be used for different sporting activities. Well, one last thing about the sunglasses, uh, the, the less expensive ones have a very low Abbey value. If you mm -hmm. could explain what that Abbey value is. So Abbey value has to do with kind of your aberrations. Uh, and usually you see this more with colors. Uh, so with, with a pair of glasses, that has a very low Abbey value. Uh, they're going to see more aber. I, I hope I'm not confusing this because no, I think, well. I, okay. <laughs> Cause uh, with low Abbey value, uh, if you look off kind of off center of the lens a little bit, you'll see almost like a yellow or perhaps like a red color kind of a fringe coming off of everything. Almost as if there's like a starburst appearance of color just coming off the sides. And the more off center of the lens you get, the more you can see it. Uh, the higher quality lenses that have better ab values or, or less problems with aberrations, you won't see that color fringe. And it's amazing how many people have asked me that question, like why their glasses I see, like if they look off to the side, they see like this yellow or blue, like extra fringe, and they don't know how to say it because they've never heard of, that, of what an abbey value is. So I've tried to highlight that in a few videos. And uh, luminous transmissibility or transmittivity. Uh, I know some of the good quality, so the good quality sunglasses want a luminous transmittivity, transmittivity 
if I'm saying it right, at 17.5 to give the best possible color and brightness. I never heard right. of that before until I uh, watched your video. Yeah, the uh, there's different levels. In fact, sunglasses are, are categorized. They're, I believe it goes up to five, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, most of them go up to four, but it, it's it, depending on how dark the lenses are going to be. Uh, and so it depends on what percentage of light they're allowing to pass through that lens. The uh, kind of the ideal amount of transmissibility, you know, there's a few studies or, or a few a few different kind of claims that different people have made. Uh, I personally am very light sensitive, so I like very dark lenses on bright days. Uh, so you can imagine if somebody's out on the slopes on a ski slope, maybe they want a darker lens to help with the contrast versus somebody who isn't that light sensitive and just wants to protect their eyes from harsh UV light. Maybe they just want a very light gray lens. So I think it is somewhat user dependent on what's going to be best for people, but supposedly uh, somewhere around that 17.5% is, is kind of the ideal, the ideal zone. Uh, that's you know, you're, you're, you're terrific. Your videos are terrific. Now, I want everybody to go to Dr. Eye Health and subscribe and watch some of the videos and press the like buttons. And so what are some of the new videos that you have coming out that people can look forward to? Right now, uh, I'm focusing on making kind of, I, I'm going into making like video series, trying to go deeper dive into some topics, especially around disease. So there's an eye condition called keratoconus. Uh, and so I'm doing uh, more of a series highlighting what that disease is, then going into how we treat it with now college, corneal collagen cross-linking, and then going on to what somebody with keratoconus would ex not just want to have that, that procedure done, but then how do we correct their vision with specialty contact lenses, uh, just kind of holding someone's hand going through that process. Uh, those are big kind of focuses. Uh, same thing with cataracts uh, and even nutrition are big topics I'm going to be uh, tackling this year. So we have some great uh, podcasts on keratoconus nutrition. Go use that as a resource to, if you, oh, if you sure. need it, you feel free to use it. I want to thank Dr. Joe Allen for joining me today. He's, he's amazing. He's so much fun. He, he knows about a lot of different topics. He, please watch his video. Go to Dr. Eye Health and become a, a subscriber and ring the bell so you could get you could get his videos. This is Dr. Kerry Gell for Open Your Eyes. Thank you for joining me today. Your eyes and your vision are under attack, damaging blue light from the sun. Your phone, your computer, your tablet, even light bulbs and car headlights is constantly bombarding you. The good news is our eyes actually already have a line of defense to counter the effects of blue light. This defense is made up of three pigments called carotenoids. MacuHealth with Micromicel, the only supplement with the exclusive patent on all three macular carotenoids and Micromicel technology. The All Eyes Visual All VRP is a portable vision testing platform that includes visual fields, acuity, color vision testing, pupillometry, and extraocular motility. The visual leverages virtual reality, artificial intelligence, and augmented technologies to enable eye care providers to test for and monitor common eye diseases. Visit alleyes.com for more information. Fitting multifocal contact lenses presents a big opportunity to meet patient needs while growing your practice. 
Alcon is your partner, not only with our innovative portfolio, but through e-learning. Learn to enhance your multifocal strategy today with the Alcon Experience Academy. OIE Broadcasting is the emerging leader in social media. We use scientific entertainment to drive more patients into your office. Visit OIEbroadcasting.com and sign up today. Each generation was supposed to be healthier than the last one. Lifespan was supposed to be increasing. We were supposed to be in this paradise by now. Instead of getting healthier and healthier, it seems to have gone the opposite way. Millennials were projected to be the first generation in history to not outlive the generation before them. We are certainly headed for disaster. I think a lot of people are beginning to question the whole story. We live in a time where the paradigms are shifting. And the optometrist, in my opinion, is one of the best kept secrets. The public doesn't realize about going to the eye doctor. So many different diseases actually manifest in the eye. The back of the eye is the only place in the body that you could actually see the blood vessels. Completely non-invasively, you could screen thousands of people, not just for their eye health, but for their whole body health. Because this disease is here, it's also going to be here. And I can look into the back of my eyeball, and there are expert doctors on the ground who are looking at my eyeball while I'm doing it. The eye is the canary of the mind. The eye is the kingdom. Well, Since I bought Safe For You, my dad makes me clean his boat. It's natural y es un buen producto. Every time I go back to school, my mom always makes sure that I have my Safe For You products. I bring extra and my roommates certainly don't mind. It's a good thing I had Safe For You to clean up after this little guy. When my hands get dry, I like to wash them with Safe For You. And most importantly, the reason why I buy Safe For You is because it's safe for me and you.